The NFL preseason is here, so check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you need fantasy rankings, we've got our rankings and sleepers at fantasyfootball.theringer.com. So come listen to Danny Kelly, Danny Heifetz, and me, Craig Horlbeck, on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. My name is Danny Heifetz and I am joined by Stephen Ruiz. And today is the first day of All In Week at the Ringer. We are doing All In Week because the Rams just won the Super Bowl by going All In. But what does that even mean? I don't know. Sometimes we say it all the time. Oh, the Rams went all in. But like, what does that mean? And honestly, it poses an even larger question of like, what does that mean for the other teams? Because if the Rams are gambling everything, what are the other 31 teams gambling? Because it's not like the other teams in the NFL are not all trying to win the Super Bowl as well. So coming into the season, I sat down with a couple editors at the ringer, Riley McAtee, Megan Schuster, and we wanted to answer this question. So we created something called the all index and the all index is the ringers metric to rank every team in the NFL based on how all in they are for this season. How much money are they spending? How many draft picks have they traded away? We ranked every team in the NFL from 1 to 32. The Rams are first, obviously. Maybe even more obviously, the Texans are last. So any metric of all in where the Rams are first and the Texans are last, we're pretty confident that we got that we got the rankings right. So you can go to the ringer.com. You can see where your team is in the all index. It's nice because I'm a Giants fan. So even though the Giants are in the bottom five, it's nice if your team sucks, kind of gives you hope. You're like, oh, thank God the Giants are all in, are not all in right now because they're terrible. So I'm glad they're building for the future. So you can see the all index and all the teams there at theringer.com. So it'll be right there on the homepage or the episode description for this podcast. You can check out the all index and, and uh, read along as you listen to this pod or uh, save it for later. For today's episode, I wanted to talk to you, Stephen, about, well, honestly, uh, the delusional teams are the, the best part of it. When you look and you're like, oh, wow, the Panthers right next to the Bills. That's crazy. But first, I kind of wanted to ask you how all in works because we just say it all the time. I want you to explain this to me like I'm five years old. So basically the Rams trade a bunch of picks away. They trade like seven consecutive first round picks away. They spend a bunch of money. They get all these good players. They get Matt Stafford. They get Von Miller. They get Odell Beckham. They get Jalen Ramsey. But like, are we just saying that's the secret to going all in, that's the secret to winning the NFL. It's like, oh, spend money and get good players. Like, is it that simple? No, I don't think it's that simple. I don't think like you could be a random team, like say the Panthers and decide, oh, we're going to go all in. I think you have to have an infrastructure in place already. And the Rams had that one. They already had some good players, Aaron Donald being one of them. Uh, and they had the coach. They had Sean McVay. Like Sean McVay is a coach that if you give him talent, he's going to get the most out of talent. I, I don't think there are very many coaches where you could say that. Maybe like a handful, maybe like 10 or, or 12, where you think like if they get a good roster, they're going to turn it into a playoff team. And there's some other coaches that will get to the playoffs, but it's kind of iffy. And there's other coaches that will just waste talent. 
So I think the Rams had that going for them. But I, I really think their approach was like, oh, we want to play a certain way. Let's go get a guy that allows us to play a certain way. Like, I feel like at the end of Wade Phillips' Phillips's time as a DC there, it was like, we want to play more man coverage. We want to play more sticky coverage and be able to uh, attach to receivers. So let's go trade for Jalen Ramsey. We know he's good. We know he can play man coverage. Let's get let's part with two, uh, two first round picks. We're not going to be able to find a corner like him anyway, even with as many first round picks as we have. So let's go do that. Now we could play defense a certain way. And then all of a sudden their defense is good enough to match their offense. And then the same thing with Matthew Stafford. It was like, we want a more robust passing game. How do we have a more robust drop back passing game to be specific? We're not going to be able to do it with Jared Goff. So let's just trade away a first round pick. Let's eat some dead money. Let's pay whatever we have to pay to get Matthew Stafford in here. Now we can run this offense that we feel like will win us a Super Bowl. And then it worked. So I think their their approach really isn't, oh, let's collect good players. It's let's collect good players that allow us to play in ways that we know will help us win. And it's kind of like in the NBA, right? You kind of want players who can create their own shot. Like Matt, like Jared Goff is like running the offense. And then if the play breaks down, there's nothing to do. Matt Stafford's kind of, you know, in the Super Bowl does the no look pass. It's like, you know, the, the play didn't work. So he jacks up a, a three and it swishes anyway. But it's not just getting good players though, right? Like they had to also kind of win on the margins as well. Yeah, so like they haven't had first round picks famously. There's the the fuck them picks uh, meme with with uh less need. The GM of the Rams wore a meme of himself on his t-shirt to the Rams Super Bowl parade that said F them picks. Right, but the thing is they they've hit on a bunch of late round picks. They've hit a, on a bunch of day 2 and day 3 picks and it's not just like players that were it's not like I'm trying to think of an example like finding DK Metcalf on the second day where you find this superstar, it's like finding useful players like a Darius Williams, who was a player that ended up getting picked on in last year's playoffs. But like for the most part, he was a solid number two cornerback or number three cornerback, wherever they played him and finding guys like Ernest Jones, a linebacker who's not like a household name by any means, but he's a good player. And they, they keep finding these good players on day two and day three. And without those players, I don't think this all in approach works. I don't think we're right. We're having all in week. I don't think the Rams win the Super Bowl. I don't think we're saying, oh, this is a viable team building strategy that that is commendable. But they hit on those guys and now they have a they have solid depth around those star players. And it worked because of that. I, I don't we've seen a lot of top heavy teams. We've seen a lot of dream teams, so to speak, be put together and it doesn't work and it falls apart because it's a stars and scrubs approach. But the Rams really found a way to supplement those stars with players that were, they weren't quite uh, stars themselves, but they were above scrub level. Well, the irony is, I like, you know, I, I also host the fantasy football show for the ringer and we always talk about doing stars and scrubs, but the whole point of stars and scrubs is you get the scrubs that you hope won't be scrubs. And so when they're getting fourth, fifth, sixth round picks, if those guys all perf- actually make it, they just have to start. If a sixth round pick becomes a starter for you, that's pr- like, it the be- I mean, sometimes it's bad, but if they're good enough to actually start and be a workable piece, that's an excellent piece. I mean, sometimes you need, not everyone's going to be a six round pick like Richard Sherman for the Seahawks and be elite, but who is the MVP of that Super Bowl for the Malcolm Smith? You know, that's another late round pick for the Seahawks that's filling in. So I guess, is that really basically kind of like the second half of this all in gamble? It's like you can spend all the picks and spend all the money, but unless you're also winning on the margins there and not to mention you have a cool city like Los Angeles where Odell Beckham is just like, sure, I'll just come play for you right off the bat. So I'm curious if there's a team similar to the Rams that you kind of think could emulate this, or is it kind of just a silly thing to try to do? I think like a team like the 49ers, for instance, could do it because they have the coach. I think they have a smart front office that's good at, at 
cooking the books, so to speak. Like they can fit in big <laughs> contracts. Uh, they have like a talent nucleus already in place. So I think they're definitely a team that could like afford to give up three first round picks to go get a quarterback. That makes sense for them. And they could still be a good team while doing that. I think teams like that, it's got to be teams where you have a great coach already in place that you, you know, is a great coach. It can't be like the chargers who I think Brandon Staley is going to be a good coach, but the jury's still out on him after last year, right? Like we don't know what he's going to be, but we know Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan are good coaches. And then you, I mean, every team has to get lucky with those late round picks. It's not like a thing that only applies to these all in teams. Like every team throughout history has hit on those late round picks. The Patriots obviously hit on Tom Brady in the sixth round. Like you said, the Seahawks hit on a bunch of those defensive players weren't first round picks like Bobby Wagner, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas was, but Cam Chancellor wasn't for instance. So I, I think it makes sense. Like once you already have the nucleus in place to kind of just fill in gaps here and there and then like shell out whatever draft capital you have to, whatever money you have to, like the bills kind of had with, with Von Miller this last year and Stefan Diggs before him. I think that's where you have to do. You have to establish yourself as a well-built team. You have to build a foundation first, a strong one, and then you can do it. Like the Panthers, for instance, no, they don't have anything in place that makes you think that they should be all in, but they are. So that's a crazy thing. So the what's so funny about the, the doing these rankings is it kind of assigns a number to the gut feelings you already had. The Panthers ranked 11th in the Alden index, which blew my mind because the Buffalo Bills, who are the Super Bowl favorites, ranked 10th. And the Panthers rank 11th, who are Vegas has them winning like six games this year. Steven, you're a Panthers fan. So what was your reaction when you realized that the Panthers are basically side by side with the Bills? Uh, it made sense. It like confirmed all the priors I've I've had going back to that first offseason when Matt Rule took over and David Tepper was really like coming into his own as an owner and like starting to apply his the philosophy to the organization. It's just a lack of patience. And it goes back to them cutting Cam Newton. You're like, okay, that makes sense. You're cutting Cam Newton. It saves you $18 million. It makes a lot of sense to to do that. He's clearly past his prime. This team needs a rebuild anyway, but it doesn't match with this timeline. And then like a month later, and, and I, maybe I have the time wrong, but it was right after that, they signed Teddy Bridgewater to the money they just saved by cutting Cam Newton. And then you're like, okay, this team can't like have money in its pocket. It's not fine with money in its pocket. It has to spend that money if it gets it. You should save that $18 million and kind of build the, build the rest of the roster wisely. They didn't do that. They were like, all right, we're going to spend this on another quarterback who's already been developed and we already know what he is. And then it just continued, just move after move. They trade uh, Trey Turner to the Chargers for Russell Okung, who is a past-his-fine player, more expensive than Trey Turner was. It made no sense at the time. It was like, are the Panthers trying to go all in with this move? And then it continues again. They trade for Sam Darnold the next offseason. And they trade for Baker Mayfield this uh, this offseason. They also trade up for Matt Corral. And now they're not even really playing him in preseason. It's just a lack of patience. And it's not like they decided, oh, we're going all in. It's like they were naive and thought, oh, if we get this one move right, we could make the playoffs, which was never really the case. And then on top of that, they got all the moves wrong. Every move they've made has been <laughs> has gone bad. And that's how you end up at this spot in the all index when you have a 5.5 win total from Vegas. Well, it's a goal without a plan is a wish. And the Panthers just have been wishing for a quarterback. And Darnold's the perfect example. It's like they trade for Sam Darnold, so they give up a second round pick, which ends up being a pretty good pick when you are as bad as they are. But then they bail on Darnold, but they still have to make him their highest paid player this year. So not only did, you, did Darnold cost you a second round pick, but he's also costing you 
the most money of any player in your team this year to be your backup quarterback. And that's just the kind of stuff that gets people fired. It's insane. I'm curious. The other team that I think is kind of delusional in this is the Saints. The Saints actually rank in the top five of our all index. I think they might be fifth or sixth, depending. I forget where exactly. But that's crazy. I mean, this is a team that Sean Drew Brees retired. Sean Payton, like air quotes, retired. And so you got a team with Jameis Winston at quarterback. And they're just doing it again. They're just like, oh, no, we can win. I actually respect it. I'm curious what you think. No, I kind of respect it, too. I respect Mickey Loomis. We did uh, GM rankings on this podcast uh, like a month ago, and I had him. I think I might have had him in the top five, even though he has this reckless style. But I think it's like a gamer approach. Like he's just going to fill in the gaps and try to find a way to make the team better. And he keeps doing that. And the team like has sustained itself. Even there was those down years when the defense was like so bad that they could only win like seven games while Drew Brees was throwing for a million yards a season. But beyond that, they've been a playoff contender every year. So I, it's hard to, to take issue with this approach, but I do like the way you put it in the piece where you, you basically said, no one goes to new Orleans to feel good the next day. And that's kind of their <laughs> thing. I went to new Orleans this, this off season, like early in the off season. And I went with a buddy and like one night we drank a little bit and I, I I probably ate some bad food. And I woke up the next day and my stomach was just killing me. Right. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to like party or whatever. <laughs> and, but I was like, it's the last day I'm in new Orleans. Like, that. New I'm Orleans. doing it anyway. That's yeah. like the saints. But here's where that was last year for the saints. Here's where things really get funny. Then I go home the next day and I forgot that me and my wife were like going to her friend's party. And I go and I'm like, all right, I'll go to the party, even though I still don't feel good. I, I drank after the day the, on the day that I didn't feel good. And guess what? I drank at the party, too. That's this year for the Saints. They're like, screw it. Let's do it again. No, That's exactly it. It's the Saints. It's like, oh, they were like, all right, you know what? They had a, they went on Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night with Drew Brees. And then now Sean Payton's gone. And they're like, you know what? Sorry, actually, no, Fr- Thursday, Friday, Saturday with Drew Brees. And then Drew Brees is gone. And they're like, Jameis is there last year. And like, you know what? We're going to have a day on Sunday. We're doing it anyway. Sean Payton, Jameis are doing it. And then that doesn't work. Now there's no Sean Payton. There's no Drew Brees. And it's Monday. And they're like, it's Monday at football. I mean, just, just, and they have another night on Monday. And they just keep going out. And you're like, you can't do this forever. But you know what? Sometimes you have those friends. You're like, wow, I don't know how you're a functioning adult. That's the Saints to me. But here's the thing. I actually think it makes sense. I was having this argument with Nora because I know Solak really believes that it's insane for the Saints to be doing this and that they're going to have their comeuppance. I'm kind of like, sure, but not this year because the Saints have not lost to the Tom Brady Bucks in the regular season. They've actually kind of smacked them every time they've played. In the regular season, the Saints actually haven't lost to the Buccaneers since like week one of 2018. So when you're in a division with the Panthers and the Falcons, who are disgusting, and you're like, but every time we play the Bucs, we smack the Bucs. Also, the NFC is really weak to begin with. Why wouldn't the Saints just say, screw it? If the Packers got worse this year, the Cowboys got worse this year, the Rams, you know, they're coming off the Super Bowl championship, but like the Buccaneers, I mean, Brady almost didn't want to go play for the Bucs. I kind of actually think it totally makes sense for the Saints to just try it. I mean, why not? And what if you get one of those like just lucky fluke gears out of Jameis? Like you get all good Jameis. They could totally go for it. I feel like Jameis is an underrated quarterback. Like before his injury, he was really locking in with that offense. And by the one thing that gives me pause is Sean Payton is gone. And I think so much of their success was Sean Payton's game planning and finding ways to exploit matchups. And now all of a sudden he's not there. Now, could Pete Carmichael be the second coming of, of Sean Payton? Maybe, but I'm not betting on that. So that's the one reason I'm hesitant to say the Saints are a playoff team. But I understand it. I'm like, yeah, go for it. What, what else do you have to lose? Like, do you want to be bad right now? No, no one wants to be bad. 
So just go for the playoffs. Well, some of these teams might want to be bad. Maybe the Bears. Uh, there's a couple teams that should be going all in, but aren't going all in as much as maybe they should. I'm curious what you think about the Ravens. So the Ravens rank 27th in the all index, which again, the Rams are first. Yeah, the Ravens are out here like, I mean, they have a serious chance to win the AFC North to be one of the top seeds in the AFC. They're granted, they're probably going to move up a little if they do sign Lamar Jackson to a contract. We're not counting any money that they might give to Lamar. Having said that, does it strike you as a little odd that the Ravens are currently in the bottom six? It doesn't strike me. Like, I'm not surprised by it, but I think they need to deviate from their their underlying philosophy that kind of drives this approach to roster building, where it's like seen as almost like an assembly line where they're just constantly just, they, the tr- it never stops moving, right? Like they're shipping out uh, products and they're, and they're bringing more in. Like they're shipping out the def- defensive ends that get like 10 sacks for them. They, they go sign a $20 million a year contract elsewhere and they bring in a third round pick who they're going to, coach up so he can get 10 uh, sacks in the season in like three years. And that's how they view building the roster. It's just a constant churn. But you have Lamar Jackson. You've had him on this rookie deal. He won an MVP in his first full year starting. And they never really did the the Rams or even the Chiefs thing where they're like, all right, let's go find some superstar receivers to put around him. Let's build just an all-star offense around him. No, they went the other way. They were like, let's build this scheme where we could just run the ball we're going to have a bunch of fullbacks and tight ends. We're going to have like one receiver on the field at all times. It's going to be five foot seven Hollywood Brown, which makes no sense. And I think they've really stunned Lamar's growth as, as a product of that. And I, Steve Young was on NFL Live yesterday talking about how the, the Ravens aren't going to take that next step until they try to build a real NFL passing game. And it seems like going into 2022, they're not doing that. They're putting that off for another year and they're bringing back Greg Roman and they're b- bringing back this run first mentality. And I just don't know how it works. And I don't blame them. Like I don't blame G- Greg Roman for taking that approach to the offense, right? Cause he doesn't have the pieces to run a real NFL passing game really. So it makes sense. So I put that kind of on the front office as much as I put it on Greg Roman and, and his simplistic passing scheme. But yeah, like, Trade a first-round pick every now and then. Go out and <laughs> sign to Odell Beckham. Trade for Von Miller. Trade for uh, anybody like Debo Samuel. Try to trade for AJ Brown. I did. I really don't get why why this team is so patient. So the Ra- so I Ra- Greg Roman's the offensive coordinator for the Ravens, and if there's any criticism of him, is that that the running game for them is really good, but the passing game stuff isn't. I guess more one hundred one and two hundred one for the NFL than four hundred one or like master's level i asked him i actually we went to ravens camp i asked him the other day describe his offense in one word he said medieval so i think honestly i think that they actually in free agency kind of have a challenge where i I don't know if some top receivers do want to go there because that's their offense and they are a little worried that like they might not be able to rack up those numbers there so they have invested a lot in the offense though they have rashad bateman still who was a first round pick he's going to be their number one receiver this year they have mark andrews but i guess the question i have for the ravens is it's like I don't know. I, I feel like it's contrary to everything the Ravens do. Like, if you actually go to St- Steve Bashad, he's the owner of the Ravens. If you go to his bio on the Ravens website, it basically says his goal is consistency. The goal is to be competitive and make the playoffs every single year. But that's not the kind of team that goes all in. It's like the Ravens, I feel like, are pretty stunningly, we're kind of, ever since they went to Baltimore, like 25 years ago at this point, They've basically been good every single year. They're kind of like the Steelers, always competitive. But it's because they're doing stuff like the draft this year where they're going and getting Tyler Linderbaum and they're flipping Marquise Brown and like, okay, cool. Our receiver needs a new contract. We don't want it next year anyway. We're going to trade him and this guy will be our center now for the next 10 years. 
But I see what you're saying where, okay, but are you ever going to be able to get over the hump in this conference where there's so many other good quarterbacks if you're not doing everything to maximize for a given year? And I, I would also say that they are kind of, I don't know if it's lying to themselves, but I think the reason why they have remained so competitive is because Lamar Jackson exists. Like, you, Do you think Lamar is helping the team more than the team is helping Lamar? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Like, you look at this roster and it's not very good. Like, the offensive line has kind of fallen off over the last couple of years since Lamar's MVP season, and they haven't really fixed it. I, they're trying to address it now. The receiving core has been, I mean, one of the worst in the NFL. He won an MVP with Willie Sneed as his top wide receiver. And then now all <laughs> they've added since then was a washed up. They added a washed up Des Bryant, a washed up Sammy Watkins, and then they drafted Rashad Bateman. But it's not like they went out of their way to draft him. He kind of fell to them. So it's not like the roster around him has been good. And even last year, the defensive personnel fell off just because of the injuries. They had no uh, secondary. And this team was still in position before Lamar went out with the ankle injury. They were, I think they were the number one seed in the AFC. So I don't even know if this roster building method is actually effective or it's just that they lucked into Lamar and he's kind of risen the whole team with him or the whole offense at least. So I, I think this team would have been better served just going for it one of these last two years. Just go trade for one of these star players. And they didn't, and now they kind of missed the boat. And they're, I feel like talent-wise, they're, they're a tier below all these other AFC teams. Now, with Lamar and that coaching staff, I think they can make up for it. But it's hard to compare their roster to these other AFC teams and, and feel good. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. One other AFC team, I'm, I'm curious, a very similar criticism is the Bengals. And Solak made a great point the other day, basically, that the Bengals have been basically dealt pocket aces. They have Joe Burrow in a rookie deal. They have Jamar Chase. And like they fixed their offensive line. But in the all index, they rank, rank exactly 16th, which is like they're spending more than the Bengals usually do. But they're kind of just leaving a lot on the table of like, you know, I'm not saying specifically, but like the fact that the Buffalo Bills go and have a Von Miller, but the Bengals don't like the Bengals just could be adding more players. And basically, if the Bengals don't win a Super Bowl, any amount that I thought Solak was on the money. Any Unless the Sol Bengals literally win a Super Bowl, the fact that if they come up short at any level of the postseason from Super Bowl to missing the playoffs, the fact that they basically left 
potential roster spots for star players on the table is going to be devastating. Yeah, I think they're kind of in danger of falling into that trap of trying to replicate what the Patriots did. And it makes sense because you have the young quarterback who's who's smart and can just run the offense on his own. Now you Which had, time what the Patriots did because there was like 20 years. <laughs> the, the first time, the, the first era of the Patriots. And like, even then you saw the Patriots go away. This is, this isn't really working anymore. The teams are getting better around us. Like we need to load up on good offensive players and they go out and they get Randy Moss. I know it wasn't like a huge investment and they go out and get Wes Welker and they just turn over the scheme to, to fit all these pieces. I I do think the Bengals should be more proactive because all of their star players are on rookie deals. Like even Jesse Bates, who was on his rookie deal last year, and then you have, or, or he might have been a franchise tag, but he didn't get a second contract yet. You have Joe Burrow on his rookie contract. You have the receivers on the rookie contract. CJ Uzama comes up and you let him go. Like they, they could be doing more. They could be leveraging their cap space more and the assets they have to kind of just build a super roster. And I feel like if you really believe in Joe Burrow, and obviously they do, they have no reason not to, then trust him. Like trust him to take a chance yeah. on the on the cap and maybe. You have to have a down year in two years because of it, because it doesn't go right. But maybe in one of those next two years, you win a Super Bowl. Like, I think he's good enough to carry them out of any cap issues they have, like Drew Brees was with the Saints. The last team I want to talk about here is the Chicago Bears, because I was um, the Bears are kind of a stunning disaster in, in slow motion here. They're kind of this quiet, like small money team in one of America's biggest markets. They're spending their last. Their spending rank is last in the all index. Overall, they're 26, but they're basically the least financially invested team in the NFL right now. And I kind of think of them as throwing the baby out with the bathwater because Justin Fields is playing this season behind maybe probably the worst offensive line in the NFL. And I would say kind of indisputably has the worst receiving core in the NFL. That's kind of nuts. I don't know how a second year quarterback goes into a season with the worst protection and pass catchers in the entire league. And then it just, it's nuts to me that every other team like the the Chargers, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Jaguars, the Patriots, the Giants, the Bengals, I don't know, have given their quarterbacks better protection and better passing. And I guess it's like, is there any world where Justin Fields can succeed in Chicago? Like, what does success even look like for Justin Fields in such a decrepit offense? Like, is there any way his career is even salvaged at this point? I don't even know. Like, on top of that, the worst offensive line, the worst receiving core, you have a rookie offensive coordinator. <laughs> like, literally the three Strike things three. that we... Like, maybe they might have a run game, but that's, like, the only support he's getting. And I think this just shows that... I don't think Ryan Poles believes in Justin Fields. I think this is proof. Like, everything he's done this offseason is proof that he doesn't believe that he has his quarterback. Because if he thought that this guy's a star quarterback... And this is some guy, this is someone we want to build around. There was no need to take the drastic measures in tearing down the roster that they did. Yeah. So Ryan Poles is the new GM. He replaced Ryan Pace, who was the guy who, you know, took Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes, et cetera, et cetera. And then somehow still stuck around long enough to take Justin Fields. He gets fired. And now Ryan Poles is running it. But you see, I guess I see what you're saying. It didn't even occur to me that the new GM kind of is like shadow, basically wiping the slate. Because I, I, again, I think of it as throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but you're kind of saying that's on purpose. Yeah, they're, they're, I don't think Ryan Poles is re- really fond of the baby to begin with. <laughs> like he sees the baby <laughs> as like as a part of the bathwater in this scenario. You are not the father. He's the baby is one of the the one of the people making the bathwater so dirty in his opinion. <laughs> well, but, no, it, I, I assume that's how it and, works. And I, I, I'm going to like lower my voice here and kind of like talk with some skepticism. But I, I don't I don't know if he's wrong to do that because I have not been impressed with what I've seen out of Justin Fields during his rookie year and so far in preseason. 
Why not? I, he just he just never makes the right play, man. Like there are plays every now and then where he makes a good throw and it's very impressive. And you're like, whoa, if he could do that every play, like he's going to be a star. But like 90% of it is just him making the wrong decision and him holding on to the ball too long and being late and not trusting what he's seen. I mean, I, I it's a chicken or egg situation. Like the Bears might have just ruined him last year. But so far in preseason, man, it's been rough. It's been rough, and it's been rough beyond the supporting cast. Like, there are just, he's just getting rid of the ball too quickly, and that could be a byproduct of playing behind a bad offensive line. I don't know. I'm not going to break down the psychology of it, but yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's going to work, man. I'm already like willing to say that. I, I actually don't think any fan base in the NFL should, is probably could be quite so upset about the direction of their team as the Bears. The Bears basically have just been wanting and wanting this great quarterback got just enough hope in Justin Fields and they're like destroying him in the most granular process. And honestly, it reminds me of the New York Knicks. It's like the Knicks got a great player and they're like, ah, 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 no, I, I it's, it's honestly, it's devastating. So, and the fact that the fact that Justin Fields, like that, I feel this way about Justin Fields is a total indictment of the infrastructure and the support system around him, because there is no reason why Justin Fields can't be a Jimmy Garoppolo type quarterback. Like he's he has enough talent. I've never heard that one before. No, I, that's a, I'm not comparing them like playing styles. I'm just saying like if you put him in the right scheme with the right talent around him, he has enough talent himself to like get the most out of that. And like he he has enough talent in him to be a useful quarterback. The fact that they haven't surrounded him with any talent, they put him in a bad scheme. At least they did last year. I'm I'm still waiting for Getsy and, and to see how his scheme looks, but. I think that's an indictment of them because he is a talented player and he has plenty of talent to make it work. It's just just the the worst matchup of skill sets. Okay. Well, Justin Fields being thrown out with the bathwater, maybe it's his fault. All right. I'm glad we're blaming the baby for the bath. Sounds <laughs> makes total sense. Okay. So that's just a small sliver of the all index. Again, you can see the entire all index and we have content coming all week. Steven is a piece on the Rams this week, but you can see our whole write-up from the all index. Shout out to Riley McAtee for the incredible work on the formula and, and all the underlying math. But you can see that at the ringer. It's going to be on the homepage. It's, it's in the uh, episode description for this episode. Check that out. Check out all the all-in content we have coming. Thank you to Steven. Thank you to Carlos for production help. And again, thank you to everyone for listening. This is the Ringer NFL Show.